Technology is helping you on your journey of marriage. In your car, for example, dual zone separate buttons on each side, climate control systems. Gee, I wonder if it was a married person that thought of that. And thought, hey, this could potentially come in handy if you're with someone you're legally bound to for the rest of your life and you need them to shut the hell up. I'm freezing, I'm roasting, I'm boiling. It's blowing on me. <laughs> when my wife says the air is on me, it is the equivalent of a normal person saying a bear is on me. <laughs> Yes, it is a problem that must be solved immediately. I, uh, I can relate. Coming up, we have a little debate preview, plus the Minneapolis City Council is backing away from dismantling the police as fast as they can, and it's a, a, a great study in emotional politics versus logical politics and people using their, their brains. Uh, did you hear about Joe Montana? He and his wife had to block the abduction of their grandchild straight out of their home. Crazy story. But we shared this very early in the show today, and it's so good and so important that we thought we'd uh, we'd share it with you uh, if you weren't listening then three hours ago. If you were, thank you for listening so much. But It comes from Ann Anonymous, one of our beloved listeners who I salute. Last week, the wife of a longtime client came in to cancel his contract with us. Is there a problem? She takes a deep breath. We had to close our shop. We lost everything, and he killed himself last week. Two days later, a client who works in the suicide watch wing of our hospital psych ward mentioned that they had 30 people admitted for round-the-clock surveillance. 30. Is that a lot, I asked? Record numbers. We've never seen anything close to this. As a point of comparison, there were only nine COVID patients hospitalized. So again, 30 on round-the-clock suicide surveillance and nine for COVID. Hmm. I shared these stories with the moms at my daughter's soccer practice. One knew a fifth grader who had committed suicide recently. Then there's the 12-year-old boy in Texas who hanged himself three days before his birthday. His dad in a heartbreaking video saying, I believe my son would be alive today if he had been in school. The smiling 15-year-old softball player's mom is similarly speaking out in Stockton, California, and two others in Sacramento. The wonderful principal's letter you shared us uh, last week mentions multiple suicides in his community. Cook County, Illinois, has reported a stark rise in suicides in the black community, already surpassing last year's total in July, the youngest nine years old. And a number of other communities reporting similar spikes in suicides and attempts. But because comprehensive suicide statistics lag about two years behind, we won't know how many others we've lost to the shutdown until it's too late. We only have these anecdotal tragedies or piecemeal stats from a county or city here or there with thousands of cases sitting on coroner's desks awaiting a cause of death to be assigned. Eventually, they'll all be filed and make their way through the reporting system. And one day in 2022, there will be a press release and the media will bemoan this devastating side effect of the shutdown. And moronic talking heads will say somberly, if only we had known then. We freaking know right now, she writes in all caps. People recognize their own kids seem down, restless, that they're turning into screen zombies, addicted to social media. We know that tens of thousands of businesses will never reopen. There are countless articles about suicide hotlines being overwhelmed and mental health professionals warning of a likely increase in suicides due to COVID-related stresses. But ultimately, they all throw up their hands and conclude, but there's no data to truly know. We do know. 
In August, a survey of students reported a third experiencing depression. Almost 25% know of someone with suicidal thoughts, and 5% of both college and high school students, 5% said they themselves had made a suicide attempt during the pandemic. Wait, sorry, what percentage of Americans have died of COVID so far? Oh, right, only 0.6%. I'm sorry, 0.06%. Um, and then Anne makes the point that... Um, my plea isn't even for my own family. We've been among the lucky ones, et cetera, but for the rest of the kids. Damn it, let's allow people to weigh the risks and choose how to live. Um, <clears throat> and we've tried so hard to make this point, and you're seeing this reality reflected in public policy some. But that we can't be obsessed with one risk to the exclusion of the others. We have at times been a society that's so afraid of hay fever, we've put a dry cleaning bag over our head and sealed it. No more hay hay fever. 100% successful in preventing hay fever. But we're dead. And so it is with the COVID. The fixation has been so complete on COVID, so-called county health professionals who only consider one aspect of health. Governors, government officials who only consider those county health or those state health directors who are only considering COVID. It's, It's an astonishing failure of democracy to me. It's a failure of our society. I think I think cooler heads are prevailing and realizing we were dealt an awful hand. We got this virus. It doesn't hurt most people. It kills some. It's very easily transmitted. It's a damn shame, but we just have to deal with it. Or we're going to die with the dry cleaning bag over our head, bragging with our last breath that we we slowed COVID. Unbelievable. Uh, Anne, thank you for the, the email. She says, sorry for the long downer topic rant to start the week, but I don't know. It's really, really important. So if you didn't hear the story, uh, Joe Montana and his wife were hanging out with their grandbaby. The the, the youngster was in uh, uh, a, uh, what do you call it, playpen on Saturday. Some woman just walks into their home in Malibu, walks into their home. The authorities have identified Sozai Dalzel, walks in, grabs up the kid. And Joe and Jennifer Montana, Joe's 64 now, by the way, uh, confronted the woman and tried to de-escalate the situation. Uh, talk her down, be friendly, but I'm afraid you can't pick up that baby. That's not your baby. But she wouldn't give it up, and so Joe evidently grabbed the gal, and Jennifer pried the child out of this woman's arms. Yeah, I mean, it's fortune. Not fortune's the wrong phrasing, uh, but you know, it could have easily Ronnie Lott could have been over there hanging out for a little, uh, little socially distanced gathering, catching up with old friends. Then he comes over the middle. Right, and then it's a completely different scenario for this this would be kidnapper. <sighs> Seems unlikely. Joe forced to play defense, but yeah. thank God the child's all right. I mean, it's literally oh, the stuff. It's the only reason why I could even it's the try to joke with stuff of nightmares. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and speaking of dreams, I had you know my dreams are not terribly notable usually. I mean, sometimes they're interesting, mildly entertaining, often confusing, like everybody's dreams are. Saturday night? No, it's Friday night. Friday night, I had a dream that seemed like it went on forever, and it was just sickening, just disturbing. You know, I could bore you with it, but nobody wants to hear about anybody else's dreams. It just, it was full of like hate and anger and false accusations. It was just poisonous. It was like the politics of our time. It was just ugly. And then the next night, I had a dream that if I could have paid, 
I don't know, a two-week salary. If I could have handed over one paycheck and kept it going for an hour, I would have done it. And no, it was not a sex dream. Oh. Teat. Oh. It was, no, no, none. None. None, I mean, other than clothed. Uh, it was just, it was like all my dreams had come true. And there, there I was, a young man full of confidence and then moving the world and shaking and it just, just, just smoke hanging meats out of, with my musical heroes and just a, a smorgasbord of smoked meats. Oh, yeah, it's like a, like everything, a, like a guy who's the, 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 rolled three consecutive three hundred games and is just <laughs> throwing the ball without fear. Just I was on a roll, and then I woke up. I'm telling you, Back if it to reality, if it had been like a you know an old timey video game, continue for two quarters. <laughs> oh, I had to pump quarters in like a son of a gun. Oh well, one day they'll. Uh, well, I was going to say they'll learn to control dreams. They have your lucid dreaming. You ever attempted that, positive Sean? I've I've read into it. I've never gotten to the point where I physically try to attempt it because it seems cool. I've had a couple accidentally. Oh wow! And then I where you are in a dream, you're aware you're dreaming, and you can manipulate what happens in it. It's a wild experience. It's really fun. The only brief flirtations I've had with that have always been in like the four minutes right before I wake up. Yes. When I realize, oh, no, the the smoke alarm isn't going off in my dream. My actual alarm clock is going off in real life. Yeah. What a weird kind of limbo that I seem to be in in this moment, and then then I'm awake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, to that note, I used to wake up to the station we were on. When, when the talk show just started, we still are on that station 22 years later or whatever it's been. Uh, yeah, I guess 22. Um, but I'd wake up to Art Bell because he was the overnight guy on the station. And if you're not familiar with Art's act, he, he was like a cult, um, evil spirits, uh, Mayan calendar, um, how, how Area else? 52's hiding yes, stuff. Yeah, just everything was plausible. As Jack used to like to say, if a woman called up and said, Art, my toaster speaks to me, Art would reply, not with, you're a wackadoo, or get off my phone, or get help, or anything. He'd say, what does the poster say? (laughs) What do you believe the toaster is trying to communicate to you? Do you believe it is a poltergeist? But so anyway, I would wake up to that every morning, and I realized that every morning during that half awake where I'd be hearing the radio, but I was still kind of dreaming thing, I would wake up and I couldn't tell what reality was. <laughs> I, I felt like I'd been, become untethered to reality. Waking up thinking all sorts of weird stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there are spirits in the walls and they're, they're likely to... Wait a minute. No, there aren't. Wait, there might be rats in the walls, but not spirits. And so I finally, I had to go to music or something like that, but... Anyway, wake up. Uh, thank you, Mr. <laughs> I thank you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll share with you some of the Minneapolis's city council's 180 degree reverse. It's almost funny. You know what? Yeah, it is a little funny coming up. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I miss the fans. Yeah, I really do. I miss the environment. It doesn't matter if it's a road game. I miss the the cheers and the jeers and the noise on third down and the boos and the you know everything that goes with uh, road games. And obviously, I miss our you know our crowd at Lambeau. There's just so much fun that 
our stadium offers um, in-game and just the fans tailgating. There's nothing like pulling down Lombardi, taking that right into the parking lot and just seeing the throngs of people just excited about the about the game. So hopefully we can get some fans back at some point. Aaron Rodgers there, legendary quarterback of the, uh, the uh, Green Bay Meat Packers. I'm taking a look at uh, my fire app. If you live in the western United States, you might have a fire app. And uh, wine country is on fire again in northern California. There are fires all along the mountains of eastern uh, California, then uh, down to Santa Clarita, Anaheim, et cetera, out toward uh, Riverside, San Bernardino. Fires, fires everywhere. This is uh, this is not good. Oh, plenty in Oregon as well. Congratulations, Oregon. When uh, Idaho appears to be aflame. Handful in Montana. Uh, Colorado, eh, just a handful. California is not impressed. Colorado, try harder. Uh, but we certainly, uh, you know, our hopes and prayers, et cetera, are with the folks who uh, are now fleeing for their lives, particularly in Northern California. Uh, speaking of, oh, I'm sorry, I lied to you earlier. I didn't lie. I misled you unintentionally. I We broke kind of late last segment, and I want to leave time for the Minneapolis uh, police thing because it really is illustrative of, of the politics of the day. But... Um, We'll do that next segment, I promise. Minor dispute about cutting in line ended with a man shot dead. Well, that's proportional. Popular haunted house attraction in the Detroit area. Um, they're doing haunted houses these days with the vid? It probably depends on where you live. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I read something about a no-contact, socially distanced haunted house where the, the ghouls and spooks and actors or whatever will stay six feet away from you and wear masks. So. Um. 29-year-old man, he was with his girlfriend, uh, about to enter the Erebus haunted attraction Pontiac. After midnight Sunday, got into an argument with a man in front of him about cutting the line. Victim told his girlfriend, I'm going to go to my car. It's not clear why he was going to do that. Maybe to get a weapon, I don't know. The other man followed him to the parking lot and shot him dead. Cops are asking for the public help in identifying the shooters, believed to have fled in a blue sedan. You know, fatal shooting's pretty scary, so it's a haunted house. I guess that's... uh, Yikes! What's the matter with you people? Another yes. A few more breathing exercises, everybody. Let's let's lower the temperature a little bit. Some people live in a culture where if their manhood is threatened, even in the slightest way, the penalty is death. Um, Unfortunately, some of those places, many of those places, are in inner cities, and they're young black men who are killing each other at absolutely horrific rates. As we were saying last week. Okay, I know the slogan "Black Lives Matter" it has to do with the uh, police brutality, whatever. Um, and those numbers actually are, are are quite low. The number of, in spite of what LeBron would tell you, the number of unarmed black people killed by police is, is very, very low. Uh, every time is a tragedy and a crime, and it ought to be investigated and dealt with uh, strongly. But it's a small number. The hundreds and hundreds of young black people gunning each other down. Why don't I know a slogan for that? Why don't I know the nationwide? Um, you know, this is stupid, but talk, don't shoot, you know, or or the nationwide effort to have older former gang members be mentors and 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 have some sort of informal system of arbitration or whatever. Why do I not know a, a, a national slogan for that? There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people dying off and it's little kids in the crossfire. How come I know that one slogan, but not the other one? Well, because the one's political, the the imaginary one would actually be about saving lives. Uh, speaking of uh, the law, that sort of thing, 
uh, and and race baiters and uh, profit heads who who claim to be looking out for uh, racial justice, but actually are just uh, trying to make money. You got this Ibram X. Kendi, who's your racism, anti-racism leading light, writes books and stuff, gives lectures. Uh, Tim the Lawyer pointed out that, well, he retweeted another tweet that Fairfax County Schools in Virginia paid Ibram X. Kendi $20,000 for a 45-minute presentation with 15 minutes of Q&A. That's $20,000 for an hour from a school district. He texted of Amy Coney Barrett, ACB, and her, uh, her, her family with two adopted black children. Some white colonizers adopted black children. They civilized these savage children in the superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial, while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. And whether this is Barrett or not is not the point. It's belief too many white people have. If they have a, or adopt a child of color, then they can't be racist. This is this guy is one of the most racist individuals I've ever, never ever known. He could command the KKK if they'd have a black man at their uh, at their head. Actually, Richard Spencer, the noted white supremacist, responded to those tweets and said, "Not wrong." So you had an actual high five between uh, Kendi and Richard Spencer. You can't write this stuff. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. For example, the Paycheck Protection Act. You know, 1% of the money's gone out. 1%. 1% of the... Uh, no, no, that's not the paycheck. The, 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 um, uh, the, uh, the bill for small... For major... It's for small businesses. Mainstream lending. Mainstream lending. 1%'s gone out. No, I'm not joking. I mean, I'm willing to take a drug test. I think he should, too. The debate, Tuesday night. Can't wait. Excited. They give him a big, fat shot in the ass. and Mark, who's uh, a friend of Armstrong and Getty for life. Thank you, Mark, for your loyalty, sir. Uh, he says the first question of the debate for Joe Biden has to be, Joe, please state the month and year we are in. <laughs> not a chance he gets within three of either month or year. Wow, that, that, oh boy, that's uncharitable, Mark. Well, we'll find out, and by golly, Wednesday morning we will have, or Wednesday, whenever you listen to the show, we'll have uh, all sorts of clips of the debate, including what I've called the at least 50% likely major Biden crack-up. We'll see. Big story out over the weekend. Somebody or other had a poll, ABC WAPO or something like that, where uh, the majority of people around the country think that uh, we should wait till the next president or after the election, I should say, uh, to appoint a replacement for RBG. Uh, And that's a good example of why we don't govern by minute-to-minute referendums. Democracy would be a nightmare. Democracy would, would end in a bloodbath. People say we have a democracy. We don't. We have a constitutional republic for a very good reason. If you took the whims of the unformed electorate and turned them into law every time there was a big question before us, oh, it'd be horrible. Absolutely horrible. Pretty good case in point. And this is uh, from the New York Times, which is overly charitable in their descriptions, but at least they're dealing with the story. Over three months ago, a majority of the Minneapolis City Council pledged to defund the city's police department. 
making a powerful statement that reverberated across the country. It shook up Capitol Hill in the presidential race, shocked residents, delighted activists, changed the trajectory of efforts to overhaul the police during a crucial window of tumult and political opportunity. Now some council members would like a do-over. Councilor Andrew Johnson, not the, uh, not the impeached president, I'm sure. He'd be very old at this point. One of the nine members who supported the pledge in June said in an interview that he meant the words, well, in spirit, uh, not to the letter. Another counselor, Philippe Cunningham, said that the language in the pledge was up for interpretation and that even among council members soon after the promise was made, quote, it was very clear that most of us had interpreted that language differently. Lisa Bender, the council president, was asked if the council's statement had led to uncertainty. At a pivotal moment in the city, she paused for 16 seconds before she answered. I would like to pause for 16 seconds, but there are uh, off-air alarms that would go on in radio stations all over the country. You know what we can do, Michael? Do you have, like, background music you could play? Maybe the, uh, what is that, uh, Alone Again Naturally, Herb Alpert's version of it? I shouldn't know that, but I do. I didn't even know that his songs had names. Uh, of course they do. Uh, hang on now, don't play it yet. Don't play it yet. All right, so here it is. Here's Lisa Bender. Um, did the council's statement that you're now walking back lead to uncertainty at a pivotal moment for the city? We're about halfway there. Well, she finally answered. <laughs> I think our pledge created confusion in the community and in our wards. The regrets formalize a retreat that has quietly played out in Minneapolis in the months since George Floyd was killed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The ensuing national uproar over the treatment of black Americans by law enforcement in the country at large. Uh, after a summer that had challenged society's commitment to racial equality and raised the prospect of sweeping political change, a cool autumn reality is setting in. That's actually some nice, uh, some nice writing. I might argue that just a reality reality is setting in. You people with your sweeping pronouncements and your slogans and your grand pronouncements of how you're going to fundamentally reimagine police. You remember we played that for you, a, str- a cavalcade of clips of politicians all saying we need to reimagine the police well what we need to do is reimagine the police this is one after the other the talking points the reason they were saying that was because they knew the big statements by like the minneapolis city council they weren't going to happen they were just dreamy stuff and it's probably worth noting uh with all due respect to the real racism in this country and the racist cops who are out there and there's some out there I could point you to a number of videos where where cops really mistreat white people. Um, uh, it's 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 about bad cops more than race. But anyway, in interviews this month, about two dozen elected officials, protesters, and community leaders described how the city council's members pledged to end policing as we know it. One of those grand slogans became a case study in how quickly political winds can shift. And what happens this is my favorite sentence. <clears throat> And what happens when idealistic efforts at structural change meet the legislative process and public opposition? Meaning, 
when the grown-ups weigh in, you know, the college kids and the people who are emotionally kids who are just shouting in the street and think because they're loud, obviously they're right, or because they're offended, they're right, or because they have people scared, they're right, or they're intimidating diners, well, obviously that means they're right. Well, no. You know, when the light of day shines on these things and people actually take a few minutes to consider their wisdom, yeah, they back the heck off of the, the greeting card rhetoric. Um, so it's uh, the pledge is now no closer to becoming reality. That's the end policing as we know it. With fewer vocal champions than ever, it has been rejected by the city's mayor, a plurality of residents in recent public opinion polls, and an increasing number of community groups. Taking its place have been the type of incremental reforms that the city's progressive politicians had denounced. In the meantime, defunding the police has become a talking point for state and national Republicans looking to paint liberalists as anti-law enforcement. It has been a thorn in the side of Joseph R. Biden Jr., who the New York Times almost always refers to as Joseph R. Biden Jr. Is Joseph A. Biden Sr. also running for president and they're afraid we'll get mixed up or what? You can just call him Joe Biden if you want. <clears throat> and it has ignited a power struggle in Minneapolis that has, in some cases, pitted moderate against progressive, young against old, white against black. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, in some cases, in some cases, the whole moderate against progressive, yes, young against not young, therefore, with a little life experience, I'll agree to it. But saying and white against black, well, in many, 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 many cases in Minneapolis, and I know this specifically, it's pitted black against black. As people who actually live in, in the wards in question um, are saying, no, we, we need more cops. We need more funding for the police. Um, uh, Linia Palmisano, a relatively moderate city council member, who's one of the three councilors who did not take the pledge, castigated her colleagues. They've gotten used to these kinds of progressive purity tests. Yeah. So that whole thing, which was greeted with such a grand attention through the summer and all, ran up into reality. You know, that's the way the Senate is supposed to react to the House. You got uh, AOC, Sandy Cortez, and others ranting and raving about defund the police. We need to completely restructure. No police. What does that look like? That looks like the suburbs. And the Senate's job is to say, that's cute, that's nice, you're all whipped up, you get elected every two years, so, you know, if people are yelling crazy stuff in the street, you got to kind of echo it. We we get that, that's fine. But the grown-ups are going to talk about it now, okay? And uh, thank you for sending that legislation over. We're all going to talk. We're all going to call ourselves an honorable colleague from the state of Indiana, and we're going to behave like adults and come up with laws that will actually work, then we'll send them back and y'all can sign them. Um, and, you know, you, the R's blame the D's and the D's blame the R's. The Senate is a, is on the verge of becoming just another House of Representatives. And that's the problem. It's supposed to be the greatest deliberative body on earth where just out of sheer cultural pressure, you don't do anything crazy or you don't do anything that the other side says is crazy because you get together with the other side and the other side says well, look, I don't like it, but uh, you have the votes, and, and I tell you what, do this and this, and we will support you. And they come up with a gentlewomanly, gentlemanly compromise and 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 come up with laws that the, that the country can handle. Um, but that might soon be going away, and, and I hope it doesn't. But And in that scenario, 
the AOCs and the Ilhan Omars and the the real bomb-chucking numbskulls who are in the House of Representatives, some of this crap will, will get passed. And then it'll, you know, get overturned as soon as the other party's in power. Or, you know, there's been no turnover in parties in Minneapolis. They just realized, oh, that stuff we were yelling because it was so exciting, that wouldn't ever work in real life. So, yeah, just the benefit of time. They've retreated. Oh, and, you know, it's probably worth mentioning that uh, this debate was also influenced by the surge in gun violence in Minneapolis. Many of the very neighborhoods, home to many of the city's black residents, um, the people were shooting the hell out of each other. You know, I should say, I should be accurate. The young men were killing the hell out of each other. Just like Chicago and St. Louis and Philadelphia and and New York and, and all those cities. And... And the people in the neighborhoods already knew this, except for the completely deluded activists. The cops being there is at least riding the brake of the young black men killing each other. And as soon as the police pulled back and said, all right, we got no budget. You don't want us in there. We're, we're, we're a net liability, huh? Okay, we'll pull back. The young men started to kill each other again. So, I don't know. There are, there are aspects of coming to adulthood that are kind of painful sometimes, and I think Minneapolis having had its adolescent spasm of, I don't know, some sort of idealistic dream world is now coming back to reality. And uh, now, if nobody minds, can we get back to the sober adult work of, of making sure our policing is what it ought to be? Huh? Can we? Great. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, Sean, I was reading instead of uh, planning, uh, to my discredit. Eh, planning's overrated. Let's do, uh, let's do that Norm MacDonald gag. Mr. World contest on the TV. You ever see this? Big bodybuilding contest, the Mr. World. So this guy wins it. He's the best in the world. He's Mr. World. So then they say at the end, they say, hey, don't miss next month, the Mr. Universe contest. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm putting my money on Mr. World on this one. You know, I figure he's a shoe-in with his home planet advantage and everything. This guy, you know, it's a guy's said, you know, the guy's pretty well. <laughs> Such a unique comedic voice. I just love him yeah, so much. Yeah, Norm MacDonald. Yeah, he's something. Something else. Fired from Saturday Night Live for making O.J. Simpson jokes. Wasn't the, the thing, like, Lauren was like, I don't think you're funny, or something like, I think there was some sort of, uh, I don't find you humorous. And yeah, yeah, sure. Norm MacDonald is not funny, nor, <laughs> well, of course, you know, who am I to tell Lauren Michaels how to do his job? So, uh, just a final thought or two on the Minneapolis policing story. Uh, they mention, in measured language, in lieu of larger policing changes, like, you know, ending the police force, which people actually proposed... Minneapolis has moved to ban chokeholds, which is odd because they're not choking you. It's a submission hold, and it actually decreases violence. But they put in place new de-escalation requirements. That's a good idea. I've watched really good top cops de-escalate situations. Oh, man, what a, what a great thing to see that is, the ones who are good at it. I've also seen bad cops escalate situations. It's true. So that's a nice move, of course. 
There you go. They're doing that stuff. I'm looking at Reason Magazine, Free Minds and Free Markets, they say. Fix the police. Abolish qualified immunity. I would say it, uh, reform it, don't abolish it, for reasons that I really don't have time to get into, but um, I'll meet you halfway there. Bust the unions. Mm. Uh, again, reform, maybe. Regulate the use of force, rethink crisis response, end the drug war, release body cam footage, stop over-policing, restrict asset forfeiture. A lot of good stuff there. A lot of really good stuff. Uh, ideas worth debating. Ideas worth implementing. Cops are in favor of a lot of this stuff. Man, there's a lot of common ground. But no, we have people screeching at diners. Who are, who are eating uh, you know, in a cafe, being forced to raise their fists for fear of getting their heads caved in. That's not helping anybody. It's, it's, it's destroying society, and the, the media portraying it as anything but ugly is just, just irresponsible. But that's enough of that. I need to look into this Project Veritas. That's James O'Keefe and his outfit, who are usually a very reliable there have been a couple of times where their editing, to me, crossed a line. Um, not like changed left into right, but was a little aggressive. And so I look at them as a valuable resource, but I usually like to check things out a bit before I bring them to you. Um, but their latest breaking thing is a, a guy, a Somali guy in... Uh, Minnesota, again, who's tied to Ilhan Omar, is a political um, uh, crony, helper, campaign guy for her, admitted to illegal vote harvesting on camera. Ballot harvester Liban Muhammad. Money is everything. Money is the king in this world. If you got no money, you should not be here, period. You know what I'm saying? Money is everything. And a campaign is managed by money. See my car here? It's full of absentee ballots. Look at these. My car is full. This is money. When we sign the voting document and they fill it out is when they give us the money. The minute we sign the thing for the election, that's when we get paid. Uh, So big vote harvesting scandal. We'll see if that gets any light. Hi, uh, this is Corn Pop. When I'm not trying to get my razor rusty in a rain barrel, I listen to Final Thoughts. With Armstrong and Getty. Thank you, Corn Pop. I expect to see him in the debate audience tomorrow night. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo presses the buttons in the control room, keeps us on the air. Michael, final thought. Yeah, okay, my final thought is a question for you, Joe. Yes, sir. Would you be willing to take a drink every time Biden stumbles during the debate? Or would you not be able to... hospitalized. Okay, that's my question. Yeah, I mean, any stumble? Well, I mean, major stumble. Well, I'd probably have a drink anyway, but... <laughs> How about if you're thirsty? Can you I'll, drink then? i consider that. What if I am still remembering my problems? <laughs> Positive Sean, our producer, has a final thought. Yeah, really looking forward to the debate tomorrow night, because nothing like this has ever happened before. But I was disappointed to learn that uh, despite its reduced size, there is going to be uh, an audience of some sort. And uh, no, no, I thought we had our, I thought we collectively had agreed that that was bad. Evidently, the need to give big campaign uh, contributors a front row seat is strong enough that the uh, they refuse to have a no uh, audience debate. My final thought is just a brief retelling of a story I told at the beginning of the show. Uh, I have just now gotten healthy enough to play golf again, having uh, messed up my, my forearm. And I just injured my thumb last night, and I'm not sure I can swing again 
because I was sitting at our picnic table in the backyard with flip-flops on, and Baxter is chasing something. Something slams into my foot. I look down. It's a foot-long rat. A foot-long. And I did more or less the housewife ah! up on a chair. I scrambled up onto the bench of the picnic table, cutting my toe, smashing my thumb. Started swiping at it with some sort of broom. I had no broom. Then I came back to kill it with my critter rifle, and it was gone. Damn it. Plotting his revenge as we speak. Anyway, Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people, thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. All of the podcasts are downloadable for free. Armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I I did not say that. I've sat here for over three hour and 15 minutes. (laughs) That sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. Armstrong and Getty.